0: Hey guys, welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Got a special guest today. His name is Chris Prefontaine from Newport, Rhode Island. A very creative real estate investor and I'm excited about talking to him about what he's doing today, the kind of deals that he's doing, what he sees the direction of the market going and how he's going to adjust as the market shifts. Because I suspect he's going to say a few cool things that uh, you guys will really get a lot of value out of. But... I want to let you all know that this podcast is brought to you by my book, Wholesaling Lease Options. You can get this book for free, just pay shipping and handling at wlobook.com, wlobook.com. And basically, I talk about how I quit my job what back in 2009, doing this strategy, just flipping lease options, and I've loved this business ever since. And this book is kind of the blueprint of how to do these deals from beginning to end. It's really simple. I worked super hard on this book. I was all excited about it, you know, and then when I got it from the printer, I was shocked at how small the book is. I really didn't put any fluff in here, and I was thinking, man, after all that hard work, this should have been a thicker, more comprehensive, fancy-looking book, but it's not. You can actually read it in a couple hours, so uh, it's a really good book. You're going to like it. Go get it at WLObook.com, WLObook.com. And don't forget too, the show notes, as you listening to this, as you're driving down the road, as you're running on the treadmill or whatever, you're going to get some, we're going to give away some links. We're going to give away some good content. And we keep all of the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Go here to that website, get the show notes and stuff like that. And one final thing before we open it up to talk to Chris, I want to ask you guys to leave a review. If you like this podcast. If you feel like it's giving you good value, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Even if you don't like the show, leave us a review, let us know. I'd really appreciate it, okay? All right, cool. So Chris, Chris from Rhode Island, Newport, how are you? Excellent. How are you, Joe? Really good. I have uh, been a fan of yours for a long time. I kind of watch your videos and seen your website, I like what you're doing, and um uh, I just thought, you know what? I'm going to reach out to you a few months ago, I think it was, and try to get you on the show. And I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming.
1: Well, thanks for having me. And I, I appreciate your uh, prosperity mindset to, to grab me and get me on here. I appreciate that.
0: Well, there's, here's the thing. There is a huge opportunity in this market to do a lot of creative deals. And I, you're, you do a lot of lease options. It's one of my favorite strategies. But you, you do a lot of other types of deals as well. You've been your full-time investor right? You have, yep, a, you yep, have a business. I think your kids are working with you now, right?
1: Yeah, they are. My daughter, Kayla, my son, Nick, and my son-in-law, Zach, and we've got some great support team in addition to that. Nice.
0: Now, your picture here on Skype shows you in a convertible in the sun. And I, <laughs> I'm going to guess that you're being in Rhode Island, you're not driving around in that convertible right now, are you?
1: No, I'm not happy about it right now. We're expecting some some rain and some cold weather here, and it makes people on the show listening say, what the heck are they thinking about, both of the two of you?
0: <laughs> yeah. We just got about five inches last night. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love the snow, but we're stuck right now in my house. I don't know how we're going to get out because we have a huge driveway that goes uphill to get out of our house. But um, anyway, so Chris, could you rewind a little bit and tell us how'd you get started in real estate? What were you doing pre-real estate days?
1: Yeah, I'll date myself a little bit, but I grew up in a in a family company. Nothing whatsoever to do with real estate. It was actually the industrial gas business and welding supplies. But in 1991 ish, my dad sold the company. I was in. I'm trying to think where I was then. I was in. Uh, no, I was out of college by then, and I just had started building some homes, and so that was my foray into into real estate. But I, I got that itch partly, Joe, because when my dad was building the business, he would build his own buildings uh, all around New England. And then the companies would rent them off of him. So I kind of grew up around him building the buildings, even though that was not directly related to real estate. Did that till about 95-ish. 95 bought a Realty Executives franchise. So I kind of went from build it to throwing the broker hat on, which is odd because those two usually don't mesh. And then uh, sold that to Cova Banker in 2000. Rode the uh, wave, so to speak, uh, doing some condominium conversions, raised the roof projects, rehabs, uh, new construction from like 2000 to the debacle of 08, uh, coached a whole bunch of people throughout US and Canada. And then when 08 happened, as I'm sure you've heard a gazillion times from other guests, beat me up a bit. Not a bit, a lot of bit. But it caused me to change and re-engineer everything that we're doing today, actually. So in hindsight, it was a great thing. At the time, it really was not too cool. Yeah, Well, what was
0: it like for you? I mean, if you don't mind asking, me asking, are you sharing, like, um, did you, because I've talked about it a lot, I lost houses to foreclosure and short sales, lost my own personal residence to a short sale, but like, what were some
1: of the things that happened with you during that time? Yeah, similar, so I had too many um, buildings and and projects and commercial stuff in the works that were, that I was on personally, Uh, big, big boo-boo, and so when when the market, when when the floor fell so then every creditor and every vendor and everyone else that wanted money so it was an ugly time I, I write about it in my, in my book as well because I'm an open book like you Joe and I want people to be able to say all right man I'm not going that route again or or ever if yeah. it's the first time for you guys so yeah we had um we had, it was a full-time not even a part-time a full-time job from February of 08 I remember like it was yesterday till about August of 12th So let's just call it four years to work out short sales, to work out foreclosures, to work out regular sales, to work out whatever we could, short of final bankruptcy, which we luckily didn't. We had to work that out, and that was uh, a strain in every way, financially, mentally, in every way you can imagine. You know, you went through it. Oh, man. And so you
0: did survive, which is an amazing testament. I mean, (laughs) pat yourself on the back. That's amazing. Well, I'm here. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. And I wanted to ask you this later on, but I, I want to ask it now instead. Like, what are you doing to protect yourself from that ever happening again? You know, if the yeah, market so, goes down or if it crashes, what are you doing to protect yourself
1: now? It's the biggest thing. So it's, it's an appropriate question. So we everything we buy, as you alluded to earlier, is either lease purchase, owner financing, or subject to. Uh, so we control, uh, it varies, but let's just say 25 to $30 million in real estate at any one time and not one single solitary property. Or we signed on personally or went to a bank to take out a bank loan or used our own cash. Uh, there's few exceptions to the cash, but we'll pull that from another deal usually. So never, and I say never, there's no exceptions to that. And so I put my head down on the pillow at night and I know there is no signature. There's no nothing that's going to haunt me. And even I'll bring it up to today. We're, we're closing on a building where we're going to move our offices into that we bought owner financing, which is pretty tough where I live on the island here. You know, and yeah. my son and daughter bought a house on lease purchase. We just don't do banks and personal things anymore. Just don't do it.
0: Nice. So l- let me ask you, though, on the lease options or the subject twos, you know, if the market does go bad again, how are you going to get out of those deals?
1: Uh, a couple a couple options that I tell everyone, because even when the market's good, sideways or down, people are, are asking the same question. And, and the short answer is uh, forget, forget the fact that we are extremely strong, morally and ethically based. And you and I have talked about that. Yeah. Uh, all our forms are very, very, very specifically written to be renegotiated or, frankly, to be assigned back to the to the seller in the case of a uh, sandwich lease or a lease um. option. Subject 2s I'm not concerned about because I can rent it and write and it out. And my owner financing deals, I know this means a lot of different things to different people for owner financing, but we only do owner financing. So it's another one of those rules whereby the seller is debt free. And we are making monthly principal-only payments. And so it's a massive hedge against any market oh, drop. Oh, so you,
0: if there is no mortgage, you're doing owner financing. Correct. If there is principal. a mortgage, you're doing a subject to.
1: Yes, or sandwich lease. Or sandwich
0: lease. What, what, oh, I want to ask you so many questions, but I want to chase these rabbit trails real quick. So on the, on the uh, lease options, like I have a similar in a sandwich lease option deal. I can get out of the deal with a 60-day advance notice. If the deal goes bad, right? Subject twos, I used to do a lot of them. I just don't do them anymore. What makes you decide to do a subject two versus a sandwich lease option?
1: That's a great question. One of my students just submitted for the, for a call tonight. So I've been thinking about this today and yesterday. I would prefer personally, and as a company we've set some goals this year to uh, lean more towards subject two, just for the control, Uh just for the, let's not worry about chasing down my seller who went to the Philippines or in some different state. And these have all happened at the end of the term of a sandwich lease. So we prefer to do that when they will allow it. And and you know this, but just for the listener, when, when they will allow it means what? Well, most people that have equity in the home, and that's a lot of our sandwich leases, they're waiting to the end of the term to get that equity out. They don't want to do a subject to, they don't want to turn, turn over the deed. There's really no inherent reason for them to do that. Yeah. Now, uh, so it's the other side of the coin. It's those people that, you know, I get a call from a guy that says, "I'm look, I got custody of my grandson. I'm leaving Monday. Can you come do my house? Do that thing you said. And so we'll go do a subject two because they wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. Uh, but so that's really it's really them deciding. To be honest with you, I would I would prefer to control it, but it's really them deciding which option I go. One of the things that got
0: me in trouble when I was doing subject twos is I was I would borrow private money on mm-hmm. the subject twos and I put private investors in second position. Um, what's your philosophy on doing private lending on subject two deals?
1: We actually, I'm glad you asked. Because when I say we don't use that money, people go, well, yeah, of course not. A lot of investors don't. They just borrow it. No, we don't. We don't do that either. I don't borrow any private money. We don't borrow any money, period. Now, over the years, have I had some very, very close friends in the U.S. and in Bermuda that say, hey... Got some money. I want to park it somewhere. Sure. Bermuda. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I yeah. guess some great friends there. So. <laughs> Good. And, and even our own CFO or our CPA he says, hey, I, I don't want to spend my money. I want to park it somewhere because he sees our books. He knows we, we know what we're doing. But yeah. other than that, I don't I don't go seeking money. And certainly, again, as I said, earlier, really never sign on anything personal.
0: Okay. So talk about what you are looking for in a deal because I'm sure like if you were like me – most investors were, we would account on appreciation before, right? And right. ignored the fundamentals of cash flow. Like if it cash flowed 100, 200 bucks a month, I was happy with that, right? Because I was making good appreciation. What are some of the for you to take over a, a mortgage, do a subject to or to lease option where you're staying in the middle? What kind of cash
1: flow do you have to have? Okay, so here's how we look at it we, we create, well, first of all, let me precede my answer with this. The first thing I look at is two things. First thing I look at is motivation, because if you're my seller and you're motivated, I can structure a deal uh, and you can structure a deal. It's the motivation. It's it, 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 and it doesn't mean they're stressed. It means is their motivation? They're debt free. They want to move and they're open to term. You know, whatever their motivations has got to fit. So if that fits, if that aligns with what we want to do, then we look at a simple metric on iron. We create three paydays per deal, uh, so that would be the upfront deposit, the monthly spread in the back end, and we want those three paydays to be at least fifty grand over thirty six months. And That's kind of the metric we use. Have we taken a few less than that? Yes. Have we taken a few a lot more than that? Yes. But that's the kind of the base metric. Is this deal with all three of those paydays going to get us to 50000 uh, over the term or more?
0: Well, that's really good. And so for uh, just approximately, what is that for a monthly cash flow standpoint?
1: Um, I'll give you our exact averages. I'm an open book, so and we announce this at our event each year. So our, my students vary, but I'm going to give you our exact averages here in New England. Our payday ones average just over twenty-seven thousand. Our payday twos, which are the monthly spread that you're talking about, average around three hundred and eight bucks. That's an exact number. And then the uh, back end, somewhere around thirty-five to forty. So we're averaging around seventy-five grand a deal right now, all three paydays.
0: Nice. And what? Um...
1: Oh, I had a good question.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. When you do subject twos or owner financing, are you selling them on a lease option? Is that what you're doing?
1: Yeah, all our exits, good question, are um, rent to own, all of them. few exceptions. You know, if someone goes early or has a life event, I got to sell it conventionally. But all our intended exits are rent to own, pre-qualify the buyer, get them to the finish line with a with a nice predictable game plan. Do you normally do three years or two years? What do you do? I'll use, our norm, again, exceptions to everything. Our norm is to tie the seller up for thirty-six months and have a buyer in the eighteen to twenty-four month zone, so we have room for you know life stuff to happen because it does.
0: Okay, so you try to get thirty-six months minimum from the seller. Yeah. And you give the tenant buyer eighteen months.
1: Eighteen to twenty-four, depending on what their game plan comes out looking like. That's what we prefer. So we're not, you know, hey, we got thirty-six months, and hey, the buyer might get it in thirty-six months. Well, that's a little tight.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then what kind of option deposit money up front do you try to get?
1: Well, that's that payday one, it averaged around 27 grand. But, but as far as a single deal, we say to the buyer in our videos, educate them to know that, look, you're not getting in this home for less than 3%. We want to be closer to 10%. We will allow you to do that over time, but you won't get in the door for less than 3% because then all we have is a glorified renter, as you know, and that's a headache every time we've tried it and oh, this person, they'll be good. No, if they have less than 3%, you're going to have a headache. Nice. And so you try to get ten percent. Yeah, we. I think we average Joe around seven and a half. If I look at literally every deal, it comes out really close to seven and a half every year because we'll set up a plan. We we'll say, okay, Joe, great, you got three percent down. Okay, great. What are you getting for your, you know, next February's tax refund? All right, could you see yourself giving us, you know, fifty percent of that? And we map out this plan. A uh, uh, recently a state trooper had retroactive sergeant pay and said, I can commit X amount. So we'll map this thing out for two or three years and make sure they're constantly investing themselves and putting more down to get them closer to that seven or ten percent by cash out.
0: Okay. So do you do that by like creating a note, a separate note for the
1: what is owed? No, we don't. I've explored that actually with Terry, right? so super. You can tell you're in the you're in the same space. These are great questions. Um, we just have it contractually mapped out on the separate agreement on a on a um, uh, option to yeah. purchase yeah. Uh, uh, rider.
0: Okay. I love that. Um, I've always been a big fan of creating notes from the down payment money or some kind of uh, payment stream in the future. Right. And uh, that would be in addition to the cash flow you're getting on the deal. Right. Right. Absolutely. Wow. So seven percent, seven and a half percent on average. That's phenomenal. That's really, really good.
1: You know, the higher you get, and I, I know I'm I'm, I'm preaching the choir, so to speak. You and I are doing the same type of deals, but the higher you get, the more likelihood they are cash out, regardless of what that plan said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, oh,
0: that's phenomenal. Really, really good. And um, so then the to get those kinds of deposits, you got to have nice homes. So you're what What's your typical home look like?
1: yeah no you're right if they are nice homes uh we will run into the occasional home that needs work and and because in the rent own space we do run into a lot of contractors and a lot of kind of handy handyman type people uh, handy persons then we'll do those but by and large i would tell you 98% of our deals are nice homes they're in medium to, to really good shape you know we have a student in dc doing these in the in the 800 to 1.3 range and doing five or six a month so wow. this works every price range depending on what your median is of course is his median is a lot higher than us, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, what is your medium? Medium price uh, in Rhode I somewhere.
1: I, I live on an island that's um, a bit uh, touristy, so it's it's higher. But if you look at Rhode Island, Connecticut, Mass, those are the three states we play in. You're talking like low threes, and and so we we go in the two hundred to six hundred or six fifty is our sweet spot. We try to stay within that. There's the occasional you know lower and higher.
0: Okay, so I'm looking at. A lot of people don't know where Rhode Island is. So I'm looking it's at a map right now. a dot on the map. Yes, it's close to Boston. Yeah. Connecticut, yeah. Massachusetts. It's
1: southeast of Boston and you know, hour and a half ride or so. And we're along the waters. And then within Rhode Island, we're on an island, a three town island. Uh, that's what Newport is. It's on an island called Aquidneck Island. So very few deals where we are here, even though we found an office building and, and my daughter found our home, even though that happened. We have to usually drive off island, which means, you know, you're you do you're talking to see a house the round trip an hour no matter how you cut it.
0: So what, what percentage of your deals are you actually going to the house meeting
1: with the seller? I don't go anymore. So my son-in-law took it over around uh, 36 months ago, and he's going on three appointments and taking a contract. And he started from zero knowledge, zero. He started in, in uh, December of 15, so essentially 2016 and uh just came in to get trained just like any other student would and and now runs all the buying so you you do try to go see every house uh okay uh good transition uh as he got better and better at that and we got busier and busier we just get pickier and pickier so we pre-qualify before we go out and then most recently we've hired appraisers and builders who act as our boots on the ground and it's actually better because he does all the upfront work he has them walk to the home send him a report. In the last few deals we've done just like that without ever going to the home. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we've
0: we've been testing this as well. And I have some friends that do it a lot where they actually will just send a mobile notary to the seller's house. So get the seller to commit to the deal on the phone and then send a mobile notary to the house, to get the contract signed. Not that it has to be notarized, but, um, and then the no, mobile notary will actually go around, take pictures of the house and fill out a property inspection report. It's great. And send it back that's a couple hundred bucks.
1: Yeah, good it. stuff. I think we paid like 350 maybe $450 times.
0: But the cool thing about that is when the seller is there with a notary who has no idea anything about the deal, they, they can't negotiate. It's like, here's
1: the paperwork, sign this, we'll take some pictures, and we'll get going. Yeah, it actually provides another, I don't know how, what the word is, like another level. Like So when Zach, when you son a law sent out this this guy's a builder and an appraiser, he knows what he's doing. Well, yeah. So it's like you're sending a professional person out to their home Exactly. They're not going to negotiate, and, and it's a nice level of professionalism no matter who you're sending.
0: Yeah, that's a real good point. Real good point. So um, you mentioned there are uh, some handyman special kind of deals, right? So you'll you'll take on a property that needs some work, and you, that, how do you turn around and advertise that?
1: Uh, we advertise it as a handyman, and let's just – I'll give you a round of Let's just say that the after-repair value was 250 and and I don't know, let's say it needs fifty grand. We might uh, fifty grand retail. You know, handy man can do it for less. We might say, uh, hey, instead of two fifty, we price this thing at you know one ninety or whatever the number is. We've we've show them right out in the open and, and blatantly that we've left some money on the table for you. Um, and so we advertise it that way, and that usually brings them in. And in the rent tone space, like I said earlier, is a very uh, it's very prevalent to see someone that's kind of that handy handy yeah. person that wants to grab those.
0: Man, I some of my best deals have been the ones that needed a full gut rehab.
1: Mm. And yeah. I got
0: them under contract as a lease option. And I had a ton of equity in it, really good cash flow. And then I turned around and didn't do anything to it and sold it as a handyman special. And I, the way I did it, and I've only done a few of these, two or three of them, but the way I did it was I made the tenant buyer fix the house up before they moved in. And they had to pull the permits. They had to um, get it, get it uh, permitted and all of that. And they actually did a real good job. That house. So do you, you require that they do the work before they move in and do you make them get permits, pull permits and all of that stuff?
1: Okay. So a couple notes on that. First of all, I noticed that the sellers, and maybe you do too, they always overestimate what needs because they're not repeat, you know, they don't do it. So they'll say, oh, Joe, you don't want this house. I mean, I got to this and this and this. So I say, all right, is it, I have one question. Is it habitable? If it's habitable right now and the roof's not pouring in water, then I already know that I probably have a deal to numbers work and i and i head out now if i grab it and we put a buyer in it yeah i want to have time tight uh timelines and line items of what they're going to yeah. do when in their agreement that's why they get the price they got so they're not going to sit there and make it worse they had to make it better or they're in default of agreement
0: so do you just give them a real good price or do you give them some kind of work for equity credit
1: uh, we price the credit right in. So if it's, it, it's not going to be do this and get this, it's going to be, here's your price. It's already wholesale, so to speak. And yeah. but here's the list of things to fulfill this. You've got to do this by this, this by this.
0: I like that because it kind of removes some of the equitable interest maybe that you, you could call it right? by doing it that way. Right. So you're giving them a good price. So the rents, are you, if the house needs work, are you setting the rent a little bit lower than market rent?
1: You know we really haven't uh, that's another cool question but no we haven't had to but I, I'd be open to that obviously if, the, if that ever came up and knock what it hasn't come up yet so we haven't had to there was one deal I
0: did it was a condo everything was kind of stripped out of the condo and the the investor who had the property he was rehabbing it he had a, a bank loan but his payments are only 300 a month and this thing would rent for eight or nine hundred a month but there was so much I just wanted to be in and out of the deal I did not stay in the middle. So I set up the payments to be three hundred dollars a month, and I built into the price one hundred percent rent credits for three years. And wow. I don't know; I'm not a huge fan of rent credits, but at the time no. I didn't know any better. But I got flooded with applications. I sold that contract for five thousand bucks, and um, people were just—they loved the idea that they could only have to pay three hundred for this thing for three years. while they that, after they fixed it up, you know? I bet. But uh, so what, what is your philosophy on
1: rent credits? We don't give them, and there's a couple of reasons. One is you, there's usually not room, quite frankly. And number two is I say to them, if they ask, and some do, like one out of 10 say, oh, I thought I got all the rent credit. And I say, OK, let me, let me ask you a question. If I was able to, I'm not. But if I was able to, and you were getting, let's say, 100% rent credit on your $1,000 payment, what incentive on earth would you have to go get your own loan? You wouldn't. So we've got to make sure we're on the same page here. to you getting your own loan and getting this thing cashed out? And that's how I, that's how I position it. We do have uh, what we call an equity enhancement program, Joe, where we'll say to you, look, Joe, I don't know if you want to put this as a monthly or if you want to just leave it as an open ended, but every time you uh, put down an extra $100 above and beyond what you've already agreed to pay us above and beyond your lease, above and beyond your regular deposit, um, we're going to go ahead and credit that $100 because you gave it to us. So that's part of your deposit. We're also going to lower your price by 50%, $50. It's capped at $500 a month for obvious reasons. If you go win the lottery, I tell them that. I go, look, oh, you inherit some money. You know, you can't do that. It's capped at $500 a calendar month, so you could feasibly get $250 off your price per month if you max that out every month. Now, they all love it. They all say it sounds great. Very few people take advantage of it. If they do, it's more deposit for them. It's more They have vested uh, interest at, at that point. They so have less headaches, and you improve your cash flow
0: so do you do that do you
1: advertise that
0: and help you does it
1: help you find more buyers because of that Um, we don't advertise per se we have it on all our videos our Q&A videos so once they dig into what this program is all about which they do before they come in it's part of the requirements they understand that so at the meeting they say "Yeah, yeah I saw that video and now how does that work okay cool do you ever do lease option assignments where you get it uh, under- We haven't. All, all our agreements can be, but we have not uh, done that uh, at all. There's been no reason for us to. It's just not our model, yeah. cool model, but just not where we focused. So if it doesn't have enough equity or cash flow, you just
0: pass on the deal? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever gotten a good deal that cash flows and then put a tenant buyer in it and then sold that deal as a package to another investor?
1: Uh, we have not. No, we have not wholesaled uh, lease options. We typically stay in them, and there's been like maybe two or three exceptions to that rule, Joe, but for the most part, we stay in them. What we do do sometimes is what we call internally an AO, which we, we phrase a sign out. It's a little bit different than you just say. What it is is let's say you're my seller, and for whatever reason, I'm just not seeing the monthly spread in there, or you want all the money in every way. I'll say, all right, Joe, no big deal. I'll take it to market. I'll see what I can do. No guarantees. Um, If I take it to market and I'm able to create a little little bit of a premium above your price, we're going to go ahead and split the deposit. And to keep this conversation simple, let's just say we split the deposit 50-50. So I find my tenant buyer. uh, I get a 20 grand deposit. I keep 10. I give 10 to the owner, and I sign that buyer back to the owner. Now the owner is dealing with them directly. I'm out of there. And when do you do that? Right at the beginning, so we find the tenant buyer, pre-screen them, get the game plan in place, close it with the attorney, the lease option, the rental rental owner agreement, and then we assign that buyer back to the owner.
0: Okay. So like what percentage of your deals do you do that or how frequently do you do that?
1: Well, when I first started, I did my first 13 deals, 12 of them were AOs, and then um, quickly realized that if I could stay in for all three paydays, I'm much happier. So we do one or two of those a year now uh, because there's always one that comes about where they want... You know they get greedy and they want everything. We say, okay, we can help you, but we can't stay in the middle. There's no money in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some people call those cooperative lease options, and it kind of—I cool. like that term. Yeah, yeah. It makes turns it a little differently. I've called it wholesaling lease options. People call it lease option assignments or whatnot. Do you keep track of what percent of your tenant buyers convert and actually get a mortgage?
1: We're at right now every year, no matter how hard we try, we're at somewhere around two to five percent of people that are defaulting because of either life events or, frankly, they run their credit cards up and get amnesia about what their plan was. You know, something crazy happens, but most of them are cashing out. Um, unfortunately, still gonna have that small handful every year.
0: Okay, are you working closely with a good credit repair company, mortgage broker that works with them? or Are you doing that in-house?
1: Yeah, no, we don't do it in house. I, I don't in house for a lot of reasons. One, it's not my specialty. And two, I want and need, frankly, I think we all do as investors need that buffer of liability because here's your third party. Yeah. Here's the plan that they devise for you. And so I've used the same company since, man, I, it's going on six years. Yeah, nice. And so are they local to your market then? Um, credit repair is out of, I think they're in Pennsylvania. No, they do the whole country.
0: Well, that's right. And I was I, I referenced a guy to you the other day. Have you had a chance to call him yet?
1: talk to him i uh, don't know if i got it oh you yeah 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 you Leonard a good guy yes no i have not connected with him yet and i appreciate that okay good good i don't want to give away our secrets too much <laughs> we've given away so many secrets I here chris control, and i appreciate
0: that <laughs> <laughs> um okay cool so the you do have somebody actively helping them with credit repair and getting their the credit fixed right
1: yeah, and they're off, if they're off track, well, two things I'll say about that. One is it's part of their agreement. They can't be off track. They have to be enrolled in the program, number one. Number two, if they do get off track, we have a portal. We can watch if they're off track. And, and number one, number two, the guy, call, the guy will email a call and say, hey, Joe was in the program. You know, His payment didn't go through, and he, I haven't heard from him in two months. Problem. So we're being very proactive. Nice, nice.
0: And if you did need more time with the seller because you had to get another tenant buyer into the property – are you having any success negotiating a longer term with the seller?
1: I tell you, I can think of one, I'm dealing with it right now, that didn't allow us to. The rest of them do, especially when you when they've had you, let's say, a relationship with you for you know, 9, 10, 18, 24 months. You did what you said you were going to do. That's what we're here for. They gladly extend it. I mean, almost every single time I had one that just needs to be cashed out. It was actually a, not even a sandwich. It was a... Um, uh, a balloon payment deal. And he said, geez, Chris, I'm sorry. I really got to have this done. I said, no problem. I'll get it done. I was just trying to get some buffer, but most of the time they're good. Okay. Have you had any success?
0: Cause we talked about this earlier where you have, um, you're worried about a tenant or I mean a seller, you're worried about a seller flaking out in two or three years when it comes time to buy. And that's maybe one reason why you do, you prefer subject two cause it gives you more control, right? Yeah. I use a power of attorney, but, um, Fortunately, I've not had this problem, uh, but I have clients that have, where there's some difficulty in actually buying the house in two or three years. Do you use something similar to a power of attorney? And have you found in your experience like that helps when you're trying to close a sandwich lease option deal?
1: We cloud the title in every case with a notice of option. And I've yet, knock on wood, to have an issue at closing. I've in almost every case had an ecstatic seller that they get in the cash out that they wanted to or having closure, but we do so with a notice of options. So the title company needs our sign off. It's not getting sold without it. Nice. So you cloud the title and you have a local attorney or title company that helps you close these
0: deals or you do them in house?
1: No, no, no. We close everything with an attorney for the same reason I said about the credit company. Could we do a tabletop closing on most of this? Sure. Should you? No, not, not in my opinion, you should do it all with an attorney.
0: Nice. Good. Man, I, I got to tell you, Chris, I'm really impressed with uh, the amount of gold nuggets that you're sharing. Top secret ninja stuff. You just wide open book.
1: You know, there's there's enough deals. I said this to a past mentor. Yeah. There's enough deals in if you and I were in the same freaking town to to both be fine with the prosperity mindset. You don't, you know, let's share and nobody can do well. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got some more
0: good questions here for you. Can we talk about seller marketing? Sure. Um, and then I want to ask you about buyer marketing. What are you finding working well today for seller marketing?
1: Um, we stick with the, our same base, which is uh, we have virtual assistants calling on um, Fizbo's. And then we have our own what we call expired dialing process where we hit hundreds at a time and, and wait for the cream to rise, so to speak. And the ones that call us are the ones we, we want to talk to. For expireds? Did you say expireds? Yeah, expired listings. Even in a great market like right now, there's this expires in every market. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. That's it? Yeah, those are our two main. And then once you get cash flow, because I don't want people mailing stuff and doing all that crazy stuff. is going to cost them money. Once they have cash flow coming in, we'll play with things like a niched yellow letter mailing to free and clear. I love that one. Free and clear and out-of-state owners uh, are, are always great. But, but I don't want people doing that until they make money.
0: Yeah, okay. Then for buyers, what are you finding working well right now for marketing for buyers?
1: We don't do any marketing to build a list, so to speak, like wholesalers would until such time we have the property. Once we have the property, you know, we're hitting with our marketing, it's online, we're hitting anywhere, I don't know, 23, 24, 25 different portals, so to speak, with the different things we do online. We have a company called Appfolio now that that we're linked to. Uh, you got to have like 50 doors is their minimum, but once you have that many property you're running, they have quite uh, a a plug-in system that, that really, I call it just sprays the internet. But... Uh, without that, you're just talking about basic things like Craigslist, rent links, sites like that. I mean, we did it for five years without AppFolio.
0: Nice. Are you doing signs or Facebook ads or anything like that?
1: We haven't uh, played much, if any, with Facebook. My, my son runs all our buyers. Um, he doesn't really love that, but we do signs on almost every property. We'll do like one yard sign and 10 arrows um, if it's convenient. We have a runner that does that.
0: Okay. Good. And can we talk about offers? When you sure. are sitting down with the seller or on the phone, how do you present your offers?
1: Okay, so we do. You asked earlier about uh, the walk whether it's us or whether it's the you know the, the, our representative. Well, that's usually followed up with a structure of what we think an offer, or in most cases, options. One is option A, is option B, is you know his option C, because sellers more have to take an option versus saying no. So we do that by email, and then once there's a, a general agreement. Uh, perhaps a follow-up phone call. Then we'll go ahead and send the agreements by DocuSign in our case, so they get electronically signed. Okay.
0: So what are the different options? Do you give them a cash offer? Do you give them? And and by the way, I'm I'm assuming you're approaching the the seller with, listen, we're going to take this problem off your hands, right? We're going to take over the debt, or we're going to start making payments to you, and we'll be the tenant buyer. Is that the kind of approach you take with them on that? Yeah, we
1: approach as we're the buyer. When I hear students trying to explain what we're going to do to go find our buyer, I just cringe. You're the buyer as far as the seller is concerned. And so, um, I'm sorry, were you asking how I explained that? Yeah, so how
0: do you present your company to the seller?
1: I got you. Yeah, just that we're the buyers, absolutely. Um, We buy homes in the area, keep it low-key. If they ask more questions, we are um, linked to the BBB. I will tell everyone listening... I don't care how new you are, one of the first things in the checklist when I have students is get registered to BBB. You'll be shocked how many people are searching that.
0: Oh, my gosh. When I was doing a lot of lease options heavy here in St. Louis, I was the number one searched company.
1: Yeah, in the western
0: county it. there's two counties in st louis but in the western county i was the number one search property uh, company on the BBB now that's what they told me i don't know if they were telling me the truth just to get me <laughs> to renew every year but you know i i don't like the BBB i think it's a racket but i agree it's um you get it, it brings me a lot of business
1: i agree i agree it's it's called write a check and, and and be a member and granted you have to be accredited to to get the ratings and that's even harder but hey it's still an organization that collects a check right Yeah.
0: God bless the BBB. In fact, if you go to YouTube, there's an expose on like 60 Minutes or 2020 or something like that. And they actually show documentation of the BBB changing people's ratings after they sign up to be an accredited member. (laughs)
1: Lovely.
0: Going from F to an A, comforting. After they send a four hundred and fifty dollar check,
1: yeah, very comforting. But
0: yeah, but anyway, so, but you're absolutely right. The, becoming a member of the BBB helps a lot, and I also recommend folks to, to join the Chamber of Commerce, um, your local Chamber of Commerce, because it, there is no. That's easy. They it's it's it costs a little bit of money, but um, and it doesn't really mean anything except it looks good on your website on your marketing.
1: You know, Joe, I learned the hard way on that. Uh, this was 2013, but I'll tell you real quick. I joined these two organizations because I sat in my office on a Saturday morning. The gentleman said he was on his way down after being all through the steps with a 10 grand or 12 grand, whatever check it was. At the time, it was a big check in my head. Oh, yeah. And he didn't show. He didn't show. He didn't show, and he kept saying he was coming. I said, this is weird. So then I get a call from his brother who said, look, I'm an ex-attorney, and you're not even on the Better Business Bureau or the local chamber. I said, hmm. Well, thanks for that lesson. I went off and joined. <laughs> oh, uh, to- I have a better story
0: than that. I was actually, cause I've always worked out of my house for, well, for the most part, but, um, I was meeting with a buyer who had a $10,000 cashier's check, ready to give it to me to move into their house. Right. And uh, I was there in my shorts and flip flops and a ball cap. And, uh, I was wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> I wasn't wearing a wife beater or anything like that. And, uh, the tenant buyer was there and they're like, okay, um, yeah, we're kind of nervous about this whole thing. Um, do you have a business card? And I said, mm-hmm. uh, no, I don't actually, I don't have any with me right now. And they said, um, and where's your office? I said, well, it's at home. We were meeting at a, uh, it was a Panera or something like that, maybe a Starbucks. And they said, um, yeah, we're not interested. And they got up and walked out and they just killed the deal because I wasn't very professional. I didn't have a business card. Um, I wasn't meeting them in an office. Now that I, could, I think I could have overcome that, but like um, I was, I was wearing shorts and flip flops, and, flip-flops and uh, I, had, you know, I was a part of the BBB, but they must not have looked me up. But uh, there's something to be said when you have the, some kind of credibility of an attorney closing on the deal, right? And you you can have some you you you're showing up on the Better Business Bureau, and yeah, you're
1: absolutely right. Yeah, but there's also something really cool that you said, and we both said, uh, look, success leaves clues. Every agreement we have, every protocol, every checklist, every process, every rule, everything is because we hit something like that, both of us. Uh-huh. So go find someone to hit a bunch of bumps and still hit them. That's who you want to hang out with. It's very simple.
0: Nice. Do you have a website your company? I want to talk about smart real estate coach here in just a minute. I want you to talk about what's involved and what you guys do in that. But do you have a website where that your business is
1: on, your your deal business? Yeah, it's pre PRE property solutions.com. That's that's the buying and selling family entity. Nice, simple. So it's one website for buyers and for sellers. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh man, you got your kids working with I want to ask you about that because my boys right now are fifteen and thirteen. Ah, oh, that's the time. And they want to start doing deals, real estate. They my my 15-year-old wants to buy a Tesla when he turns 16. I mean, I'm I'm trying not to laugh right now. But I don't Well, <laughs> tell me to do half and he will start saving <laughs> quickly. Yeah. Okay, so like when did your
1: kids start working with you? Um, well, I mean, when they were young young, you know, stuffing envelopes and doing things like that, but but Nick started doing cold doors to pre foreclosure as a junior in high school when he got his license. That knocking was knocking on doors? Pre foreclosure and my wife cringes now when we call the
0: You're kidding me. I would <laughs> I wouldn't I don't think I'd want my kids to do that.
1: Well, in hindsight, it was a tough one, and, and he was working for someone else that worked for me at the time, and, and now we look back and wow, that was kind of put him in a tough spot, but look, there's no better way to learn than toe-to-toe.
0: Oh, yeah. Belly button to belly button. <laughs> so uh, how, how is it working out now? Do you, I'm, uh, you, do you oh, have
1: phenomenal. challenges? or? Um, no, I mean, some families do. We don't. Um, it, it, we didn't plan it. it. It grew organically where everybody kind of fell into a role, and they kind of didn't want the other person's role, and it continues to do that. It's rather unique, and we all consider ourselves partners, so there's no such thing as a free ride. When deals close, people get paid, and so we're all on the same page. It's it's quite productive, and we do the same thing with students. So if students are out there and they're calling us, they're calling whoever's in that specialty. If it's about buyers, it's Nick. If it's about you know, sellers, it might be myself or Zach. So just we do the same thing that we do in in-house. We just do it with others.
0: Nice. And so... If you don't mind me asking, are they, do they have some ownership in the company, or do you pay them a salary, commissions?
1: No, it's all percentage of deals, So you could call it profit sharing. Every deal is split up by a certain percentage.
0: Nice. Okay, so, but you still maintain control and ownership of the company.
1: I do now from from a uh, I don't mind you asking that from a, from a family planning standpoint. There'll be a uh, there is going on a transition. So every year, for tax reasons and other reasons, there's a there's a stock transfer that'll start taking place.
0: Yeah. Okay. That that's pretty awesome. Really awesome. Looking at my questions here, I wanna ask you about your coaching program, Chris. I think I'm done asking all my questions about oh, I want to ask you before we get to coaching program, where do you see the future of the market going over the next couple three years?
1: Joe, my answer on this one's simple. If you and I knew we'd be sitting wherever <laughs> you like, but I'd be sitting in Cayman Islands doing nothing, uh, if I knew that answer. But I, I, I personally think it's probably gonna um, steady, you know, flatten out, which is uh, great I love that um, so that's that's my that's my thought I, but who knows and I know the answer to this but market
0: softens a little bit is that good or bad for your business
1: oh I love it because you'll have a whole bunch of sellers. that it's already happening by the way yeah it is uh, my wife asked me is it what do your students say I said every single one of them across the board is saying more expires more people not selling okay perfect hmm yeah so you're finding its sellers are less resistance from sellers, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely coming back down to where it was. It, not, not quite where it was in 13, but it's heading that direction.
0: Yeah. I tell people all the time I got started, I quit my job in 2009 when the economy was free falling. It was almost at its worst. Absolutely. That, yeah. Lease options, they work in any market. Would you agree? I mean, you've been doing them when yeah. the market was quote unquote hot, but uh, it's going to become easier to do now, I think. Absolutely. Good. And it's really important. I, I like what you said at the beginning of this, of being in a position where you're not over leveraged. You're not controlling a bunch of debt, right? You're not owning a bunch of debt. You're, you're just controlling really valuable real estate without having to Yeah, if you're
1: comfortable buying, you buy, but until then, just stick to the control mode. That's why I did so many AOs when I started. I didn't want to deal with being in the middle and worrying about that. You'll, you'll make a transition.
0: Good. Excellent. Okay. So, Uh, I love what you're doing at smart real estate coach. You've got a very unique business model. You coach and help people to do these kinds of real estate deals. You do some, you have a, a webinar with a course, an online course, right? And then you do some live events. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's very simple. You and I both know there's a lot of people selling a lot of air, a lot of junk. And and so I set out to just not go there. And we have a simple, we call Quantum Leap System video program. It's quite robust. It lives online. It's digital. It's over 64 videos and 90 different things that you can get your hands on there. And it lives forever. You own it. As we update it, you own it. And then if you want to, you go to the yearly event. It's just the same name, QLS live event, QLS video program. That's it. We we my, our main thing is we do deals with ourselves and with different folks. So there's no stuff or a fluff in the middle.
0: Yeah. And if people want information about that, they can go to smartrealestatecoach.com. Is that right?
1: Yep, that's the main site. Everything you want to see is there, and, and the family bios and everything are there. So you'll learn enough about us, and if it's something that gets you interested, then yeah, you can click away and go on a free uh, – if you, if you want to deal with me for another 55 minutes, you can go on a free webinar. Good. When is your next live event? Uh, we do them every fall here in the uh, Newport, Rhode Island area, Joe. So the next one is September 18, 19, and 20 of 2019.
0: Cool. And you, it looks like you keep them smaller, so they're not big, huge – 500 people events, right?
1: No, uh, well, uh, look, I'll go to the demand, right? So the first year we had it in a basement with 47, not even, I think it was 37 people. The next year we had 50, and last year we had 75, and, and you know, we'll probably be 100 this year, but yeah, it's pretty tight because most of it are people that have gone through the, all of it are people who have gone through the course, and 60% of the room are, are people in our uh, associate partnership program doing deals, so it's, it's a great room.
0: Excellent, nice. You got another event here. It looks like called the business
1: scaling event. What is that? Yep. So in between at the half year point on purpose, uh, we have business scaling secrets. So that's more about, okay, metrics. What's it going to take to get a deal? How many calls we have to do? How does that look? Uh, What's the financial picture look like? So it's a deeper dive than a yearly event with some motivation and mental capacity worked into deals. Um, So that's really down the nitty gritty. Very
0: cool. Very cool.
1: So you're you
0: have your product from they get that from the webinar. Do they have to watch the webinar to become to get a, get the product?
1: No, they don't have to. It's free, so it's a good base. But they can just go to the um, product section of the uh, website and they'll see it. The quant it's called QLS. The quantum leap. Quantum leap system QLS.
0: Cool. All right. Nice. Very cool. And then uh, anything else that you want to say, Chris? As we're wrapping up here, any. Any questions maybe I forgot to ask or advice you want to give folks?
1: You know, uh, nothing major. I would just tell you kind of alluded to earlier, no matter what level you're at out there, uh, you and I are both advocates of what I'm about to say. And that is find some that was in the trenches, but most importantly, still in the trenches cause real estate changes so quickly and you're going to cost yourself a boatload of money if you, if you're working with someone that's not in the trenches. And then the last piece of that is clearly, you got to respect and have a little bit of a, uh, a gel with that person so that you can go ahead and work with them for the next two or three years because you shouldn't go into this thinking this is a push button, this is a get rich quick. Real estate's a get rich for a long time, but it's not a get rich tomorrow in 30 days.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, I got one more question here that's I forgot to ask earlier. What are you using now for your CRM, your database, to manage your business?
1: We have Infusionsoft and have for many years since I had ran the Dan Kennedy study group years ago. I just kind of had that and, I, and I've used it and we have a person here, Lauren, who runs that and is very, very good at it and I've always used it for both the buying and selling entity as well as the coaching business. Wow. What do you have your students use? Uh, students actually, uh, up until about six months ago, maybe nine months ago, Infusionsoft was not affordable, so I wasn't introducing them to uh, smaller investors. Uh, just recently, six or nine months, they came up with a, like a program. It's like 99 bucks a month, so I had them come to our event, and now all our students are on Infusionsoft. Pretty cool.
0: Holy smokes. Wow. And so um, with Infusionsoft, are they, they're managing the leads that are in there. Are they doing things like creating contracts out of Infusionsoft, or are they um, just still creating it on their own and then attaching it to the record? Um, are they doing anything with – Emailing and texting
1: from inside of Infusionsoft too. Email and texting uh, to manage leads and to market. Yes, uh, generate contracts. No, doesn't mean you can't. There's all kinds of plugins, but no.
0: Uh, well, that's really cool. I've used Infusionsoft for years for my coaching business, not for deal business. And uh, I'd be real curious someday to see that and how you run it. People come sometimes call Infusionsoft Confusionsoft.
1: I've heard that most recently because I, I, <laughs> I was at Elite Forum, which is a spinoff of that for a mastermind. And that came up. That, that's kind of funny. Uh, and Joe, you asked me last minute thoughts. Uh, you mentioned shorts and flip-flops. My standard attire until it's icy and too cold is flip-flops. So I'm with you. <laughs> Good. Awesome.
0: Well, hey, Chris. I appreciate you being on the podcast. I really do. Guys, Chris's main website is smartrealestatecoach.com, Smart realestatecoach.com. If you want to take a look at his deal business, um, well, by the way, I see one of your pages. is a click funnels page. That's awesome. I love click but the, uh, property solutions or pre property solutions.com is your main deal website. And, uh, very nice. looks really cool. It's, it's refreshing to talk to somebody who's deep in the trenches doing deals.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to chat with you, too. I knew um, we were on the same page when we talked a few times earlier than this. And um, um, apropos to me telling people they should have a coach, I've got a coaching call here in about four minutes for yes. a, a one, one hour. And I really enjoyed this time, Joe. And I, and I just want people to know that uh, they can do it. Just give yourself time. Don't, don't set uh, or mismanage expectations.
0: Very good. Thank you very much, Chris. Again, guys, smartrealestatecoach.com. Go check out Chris's stuff. And uh, you can get the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. And don't forget my book, Wholesaling Lease Options. Go to wlobook.com if you want more information about that. And uh, it's free. Just pay for shipping. We'll send it out to you. Thanks again, Chris. Thanks, guys, everybody. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Thank you.